BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey guys, hey it's everyone. episode. Of, we always do these little jingles. Yeah, I know but what's, that I've mentioned it. But you mentioned the one, what is it? Well, it's like martinis and murder is back. The way you do it is always fun. And yeah, this will be, I guess, the way when we talked about it will be a future episode because we've been recording so many episodes yes. in light of the um, the holiday. Well, and I'm so going on vacation of, again, so it's right. kind of my fault. Yeah, the whole reason we're doing this is because you're we're all going on vacation. But yeah, you do a little fun jingle a few weeks ago when you were like, Martinis and murder is back. And, and you sat it stuck in your head. Yes, absolutely. I did for many, many days. Um, well, welcome to a new episode. Yeah, as we mentioned, we are... Uh, it's Labor Day. It's Labor Day. It's like... A long weekend. I'm away. I'm not even in the country. Yeah, where are you going? I'm going on a cruise to Bermuda with my 92-year-old grandfather. So back that ass up. I thought you were going to I'm going to be playing shuffleboard with those geriatrics for a week, motherfucker. Hey, you know, do what you can. Yeah, thank you. I just want to come back and be like a bronze goddess for you, John. Because I know you require like me to look a certain way. Every time we record, it's like high heels, short skirts, low tops. Like, I know you. It's very uh a specific cable news company. We'll just take, keep it there. Yeah. By the way, lawyers are not on the phone as we record We can say this, whatever so we we'll want. So we'll say whatever we want this week. But we have to flash back, and I apologize yeah. that we have to flash back, but the it's one we're flashing good. back to is probably our most popular episode. We got so much social media attention off of it, it felt like. Yeah, totally. This was episode 27, Insane Clown Murder, and there were so many uh, responses to this. It's definitely our most popular episode so far. It's certainly a disturbing case. Obviously, most yeah. of the cases we discuss are disturbing, but this one, insane clown posse murders, like yeah. that's going to get some attention. Absolutely. All those. Are you a juggalo since we started recording <laughs> it? Because now we're like you know ten episodes past. Like, have you converted? Yeah. No, I haven't converted. Um, I think I'm I, I'm very comfortable not being a, an insane clown juggalo or okay. whatever. So yeah, life is good for me. Okay, thanks. cool. Yeah, Just checking thanks. in. You yeah, know, you. every couple weeks, I'm going to see where you are in that. By the way, Matt's not in here either because uh, we're basically just recording an intro now so that we can um, have it for the flashback. So no martini for us right now, but you can revisit the martini that we drank during this episode, which I don't even remember which one it was. We've had so many. We've gotten so drunk on this show. It wasn't the Key Lime one, because Lord knows we right. talk about that one a lot. But I know. It, this, was, this was pre-Key Lime. Yeah. By the way, we, we've established and have confirmed Key Lime is our favorite one. Right? Yeah, okay. definitely. 
Matt actually did a good job on that one. So he did but not thank too God. good of a job, you know. Well, before we um, before we get to episode twenty seven and flash back to it, we just wanted to give a few listener shout outs. I think yeah, to definitely. people, we love all the comments, we love all the voicemails. Um, we're going to get to more voicemails soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but why don't you start it off? Yeah, Elijah on Twitter said it's never too early for murder. Hashtag martinis and murder. And thank you, Elijah. That's a good point. However, is it ever too early for murder? And also, I hope that doesn't mean that you just murdered someone, you know? 4 a.m. just Four. killed three people. Never too early to Having be a killing coffee. people. Yeah. yeah, so hopefully that means you're listening to the show and not actually out murdering people. Let's hope. Yeah. You know, like... Let's pay attention to the We don't want, news. like, art imitating life, imitating art. I, nothing like that. Exactly. We just want this to be a podcast about other people murdering people, Perfe- not you. Precisely. Thank you, Darren, for specifying that. Well, Marley on Twitter says, shout out to Martinis and Murder, because now my boyfriend and I bond over crime podcasts. Aww. Look at this, John. We're, like, love, bringing people together. You would say it's maybe a love connection, right, Darren? I would. That's mm. very clever of you, John. If you guys have been paying attention to who Darren works for, you would know what that means. And if you do... You should tweet us and let us know yeah. so we know who the real fans are. And if are. you don't, then you're just not paying attention. There you go. Well, anyway, enough with all this sweet talk of all the love. Uh, here's episode 27, Insane Clown Murder. And, and we'll be back yeah. tanner and more relaxed than ever, we promise. And have a great holiday weekend if you're listening in the States. Darren, we've both been at the beach a lot this summer. Yeah, I just got back from five days in the Hamptons. And I've practically been living at Rockaway Beach in New York City. And not to be vain, with all of that sun and salt water, how do we look so good? Well, we both started using Kapari Beauty's line of products made from 100% or Organic coconut oil. And all of their products are all natural with no sulfates, silicones, GMOs, or parabens. And you're an animal lover, right, John? Yep. Well, all of their products are cruelty free. That's awesome. And I've been using the sheer oil as a face moisturizer, and it's so light, it doesn't even feel like you have anything on. I've been using their body glow, and the shimmer is amazing. It makes my skin look so healthy in the summer. You really do look so summery and shimmery, and you smell amazing. Say aloha to your best skin and hair of your life with Kapari. Go to kaparibeauty.com slash martinis to get 20% off your order. That's Kapari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash martinis for 20% off. Kaparibeauty.com slash martinis. Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. How's it going, Darren? Uh, that's sort of a rhetorical question to our, like, how's it going? How's it going? Silence. Silence. I'm currently <laughs> extremely hot because yeah, you it's were... like 90 degrees outside without humidity. And yeah. I think with humidity, it's got to be well, 110. This is a great segue. Schwitzing, Because John. you're schwitzing, but we were very schwitzful, if that's the word you okay, want to use. Okay, that's the word. By the way, look at Matt on what top is, of his game. Is, we, we haven't are even 30, started. We're 38 seconds in. I had my martini sans... Sands orange, by the way. I don't know. I know. I was going to say what and, kind of service I'm getting. And also, so Matt just served us our martinis and then yeah. jumped in the air like a little kid because <laughs> he was so excited that we're acknowledging he's doing something today. Yeah. So thanks, Matt. We already have our drink. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I do want to mention. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, wait a minute. Let's let give you a play by play. Oh my God. I'm I've at been John. injured. I'm looking at John. Matt is behind me, I've and been all injured. of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see a. Uh, an orange peel 
through the my air. Eyes, like, right into John's eye. I literally am not joking. Matt just threw a piece of an orange at me and it flew Matt's across the room. dying right now? 30 feet. I look up. I see an orange. That was a really orange. good shot. If I wouldn't have moved my head, Matt's like could've dying in the background. You. It could have hit my eye socket. Death by orange, Matt. This was unprepared. He literally just chucked an orange at me. I think that you can call HR right now. I am. Hold on. Let me see if well, I Well, the can. lawyers are on the line, so they're documenting this for everything. Yeah. Hello, yeah. lawyers. <laughs> lawyers, HR. I mean, that could, that's a fireable offense. Maybe we should bring the lawyers on. Um, lawyers, if you don't mind coming off of mute, I just want to make sure that we have it on the record uh, that Matt threw an orange at my face like a baseball player. And um, do you have any advice for me? No advice. No advice. Interesting. You're on your own there, John. No one cares about us, apparently. By the way, that's the real low budget over here. Well, the orange peel is sitting beside me. I have orange juice on my face, and I guess I'll just leave it that way for the rest of the episode. I mean, it just (laughs) it just goes to show that Matt is trying to kill us, or just you. That was shocking. I like how I got away scot free. I'm with my orange peel. I'm fine. He's laughing in the background. But anyway, we're schwitzing, and now you smell like an orange. We're schwitzing. Objects are being thrown at my head. Blunt force trauma to the head just happened. I think yeah. it's been it's been hot the past. Okay, few days. let me regroup because that was a lot to handle. I know you were about to go into the perfect segue. Uh, thank you. I know, and Matt ruined Matt the whole ruined thing. It. Okay, well, anyway, we wanted to mention this week, Oxygen is rebranding. Yes. Get very excited. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, and it's actually really, really exciting. The new logo is starting to pop up. If you've been, yeah, if you're on our social media accounts, you've probably seen it. But yesterday, speaking about Schwitzing, we ran around New York City in 90 degree humid weather. So it was basically like 110 degrees. Exactly. Um, Matt, of course, was disguising his identity because, look, we're in public, people know us. Right. If they see us, they're going to assume Matt's somewhere nearby. So he had to make sure he wore this giant mascot reindeer head. But he um, wore it like on the subway and we yes. were filming on the subway. And yeah. people, and of course, in true New York fashion, only in New York, where New York was like, I don't give a no shit. No one had a single thought. No one thought. cared. Yeah. No one tried to get in the camera. He had a knife for a few scenes. No one, no one even bothered paying attention to Matt. They were just like, <laughs> this is New York. But we won't be able to share the video. It's actually just an internal video that we are filming. But we'll be doing other video things in the near future, I'm sure. Yeah, and our both of our Instagrams and yeah. socials, um, you can see the pic of him in the reindeer head. Um, a lot of people comment that Matt looks very skinny. Oh, is that true? A, lo- a lot of people think that Matt well, was some like overweight, obese man, but they, <laughs> I'm going to dispel all the rumors. He's only slightly overbeast. Okay, there you only go. Only slightly overbeast. Overbeast? O- overweight slash obese. Overbeast is um, interesting. But follow us on Instagram yes. and all of our socials. I'm at Carpe Darren, and, and he's at Jay, Jay Thrasher. Thrasher. There you go. You've probably seen, if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you've probably seen this reindeer head before. Um, whether or not that's Matt, we can't confirm. But yes, anyway, the re- uh, rebrand is happening. It's really exciting. New shows are premiering this week on Oxygen. Yeah, tell us about them. If you're loving this podcast and you love true crime, you're going to love these shows. Cold Justice premieres Saturday, July 22nd at 8, 7 Central. And then The Jury Speaks premieres at 9 right after. And it's all the first episode is all about the O.J. Simpson case. I've seen the episode, and trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. This is where, like, the jurors from the case talk about how it all went down, the pressure they felt, and then at the end, they kind of vote again uh, if they think he's guilty. So it's seriously fascinating you guys have to watch it yeah I've seen some of the quotes around um, the oxygen ad campaigns from jurors you know juror 51b saying like oh I've started questioning myself it's really really great really really great 
So this week, by the way, um, especially now that I've been hit in the face with an orange twist. I'm thirsty, so I say we get right into the drink of the week. We should get right into the drink of the week, and we are not going to let Matt speak this week. And he's in timeout. Yeah, he's in timeout in in the corner, working on some kind of new recipe, hopefully taking notes uh, of the show or something like that. But so we're going to just tell you guys what we're drinking this week. It's nothing crazy. So Darren, what are we drinking? We're drinking a gin martini with an orange twist. Although. <laughs> Slash. Your eye had the orange. You don't have one now. So yeah. it's one dash of orange bitters, one ounce dry vermouth. I'm assuming yours is without the vermouth. I, I hope so, although he just attacked me, so I'm assuming he's going to try to poison me as well. Two and a half ounces gin and an orange twist. Let's get over here. Matt, yeah. I, lo- I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's insane what hey, he's doing. Oxygen it's people are walking by. All right. All right. Cheers, Cheers bitch. bitch. Although I'm mad at you, Matt. Matt's so. the biggest bitch. Of yeah. All. Yeah. There you go. One little slurp here. Oh, it's very strong. I can smell it. Hold on. Oh, that's really refreshing, though, considering it's outside. Yeah. Oh, it is. The gin is tough, but it's. I like. I'm interested. I like. Well, let's get right into this week's murder. Okay. This one's. Um, I've got a lot to say about this one. Yeah. It's, it's it's a younger case. It brings us back to a lot of the older cases that we I was had just talked about. Say that Skylar um, niece. A lot of life lessons, I think, to sort of learn mm. from this one, maybe. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll give you the intro here. So yeah. who's Sarah Kolb? Sarah, Sarah with an H, yes. Kolb, was the child of a military family that, sh- and they obviously moved around a lot, you know, like an As army they brat. Do. Yeah. She was born in Germany. Uh, her family later moved to the United States. And when her parents got divorced, her mother took Sarah and settled in the Quad Cities area of Illinois. I have never been to Illinois. I have mm-hmm. never been to Chicago. <gasps> Might have flown through it. Like, stop there, but I've never been, so I know that this murder doesn't relate to me. Yeah, I was there two years ago uh, for a work trip, and I loved it so much that I just booked another trip to Chicago next weekend. I know what it's for. Yeah, not for this podcast, Uh but if you guys Uh maybe listen to our other podcast, you'll find out. Yeah, you'll you'll see the inner child (laughs) of John Thrasher if you you want to find out. There you go. Um, But Sarah was a troubled child, which seems to be a common theme with this. Right. Um, An author actually told Snap... Well, what made her so angry and what really twisted her wiring was when she was real young, she found an uncle who had mm. committed suicide, and that's when she began to really develop this anger inside of her. I mean, mm. she literally found her uncle's dead body. How does that not I can't alter ima- your perception of reality? In, I mean, I can't imagine. Have you ever seen a dead body? Have we asked you this? Um, no, I mean, I've seen, obviously, like at a funeral, a dead body. But no, not like out in the wild. But I can't imagine how traumatizing that must be to like discover a family member who's done something like that. My you know? uncle, who's a monk, mm. found my grandmother after. She, I mean, my grandmother was like in her 80s. And, mm. you know, she was old, you know, had failing health. So it wasn't like this. Oh, okay. She'd done anything. She fell. Oh. But he was the one who found her. And I always think about that moment because it has to be like you can't erase that no. in any sort of way. I no. mean, and, and even with her, it was an open casket for the family in the wake and that, that was seeing a, a person who was oh yeah you know quote unquote supposed to sort of die before you because she's you know your grandmother was heart-wrenching no totally and, and I she can... found an uncle and was obviously a young child when she found her right and found him yeah uh, she started having problems with her mother she was strict with her and sarah started rebelling including running away once mm-hmm. common theme Eventually, Sarah's mom remarried, and things got even worse. A coworker of Sarah said, I didn't know if it was a whole stepfather thing, but he didn't seem to get along terribly well with Sarah. Mm. Doesn't sound good. No. Trying to find her own unique identity, Sarah started listening to the music of Insane Clown Posse, the hip-hop <laughs> group whose members dress as homicidal clowns. They are very... 
like shocking looking. They're like the yeah. scary clown versions, you know. Yeah. Not that any clown isn't sort of scary. No, yeah. But this is a it's a rough rider group. You know, and this time period is around the same time that you and I, I think were in high school. Yeah. And I remember certain people in my class and in school that like loved insane clown posse, had a very particular look to them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you've heard of them or seen some of their videos. They have a legion of loyal fans known as juggalos who dress yeah. and behave similar to the band members. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what's this is what's interesting. Interesting um, that I kind of had to laugh about that I relate I to the case. So a friend of Sarah said they wore black clothes. They had black fingernails. Sometimes they would do funny stuff with their hair. And mm. I and in our pre-production meeting, I had to laugh because in high school, I think wearing all black, you're considered sort of this goth kid and right. you know a rebe- rebellious. What am I wearing today? You are wearing all black. <laughs> you sometimes do funny things with your hair, but not really. Not really. It's pretty much straight and narrow. I think you do wear black nail polish from time to time. Am I right? Um, or wrong? Rarely, rarely. But I do. I do wear black nail polish. Well, I feel like you and I have really talked a lot about how a lot of the people we know in our lives are like, oh, wearing black again. Are you heading to a funeral? Andy Cohen. And Andy will be like, oh, in your uniform, I see, looking like stage crew. Like, <laughs> yes, stage right crew. on cue. He right. can't understand so, it. So here's your connection to the case, is exactly. what we're saying. Exactly. I'm part of the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, a friend also said, quote, Sarah could be a bitch. Mm. I mean, uh, she was she was cool sometimes, but if you got her on if you got on her nerve, that would, you know, piss her off to no end type of thing. I think when you have a friend like that. You're a little bit on edge, you know, to say something about well, your friend that they're so easily ticked off. Yeah. And you don't want to piss them off. That's that's scary. And let's also, you know, go back to what you were just saying, which is a lot of these behavioral issues seem to be stemming from her home. You know, she's not getting along with her mom and yeah. the whole stepfather thing is an issue. So we're kind of getting an idea here that she just kind of has a short temper and maybe a bad attitude. And it's not even that. She actually had a she used a lot of violent language and oh, was, right. was kind of threatening. She told one girl, quote, I'll slip into your window one night and I'll slit your throat and I'll mm. cut you into pieces. Oh my God. She tells another girl, you know, quote, I'll stab you, I'll kill you. This is apparently very common speak for Sarah. This isn't yeah. somebody who uh, knows the difference between no. something that could be a joke and not because right. saying you're going to slit someone's throat and cut them into pieces. Yeah. I mean, funny. look, we all joke around. Matt's going to kill us. Sure. Matt's going to throw an orange at us. And then he does, you know, there's a lot of things to prepare and joke around with, but you know, no one's saying I'm going to slit your throat and cut you into pieces. That's joking. No, especially not someone who has sort of a known temper right, issue. Um, right. Sarah's ex-boyfriend actually said, I've seen her get crazy, but I'd never seen her beat anybody up or say she'd kill somebody. She'd say I want to kick their ass, but nothing serious. Yeah. Okay. okay. You know, it's a he said, she said type of thing. You never know. I mean, I want to kick a lot of people's asses. So I'm not, I'm not judging. <laughs> uh, at the time, however, Sarah came out as bisexual and was very vocal about her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like not a random point here that we're mentioning, you know. It's not because it ties in. It definitely does. So keep that in your back pocket as we move forward. But it's not. Yeah. But yeah. So she comes out as bisexual in 2004 at 16. She at 16. She's my age. Were you 16 in 2004? Yeah. Oh. Interesting, another connection. Yes, yeah, somebody weird. And bisexual, and it's all the black. Math in my head. Interesting. Yeah, I was born in 88. Hmm. In 2004, at 16, she transferred to an alternative school called the Black Hawk Outreach Center for kids having trouble in mainstream schools. And there she became, with an, she became friends with another student, 17-year-old Corey Gregory, one of those guys that has a first name, last name. Yeah. So Corey's friend described him as, quote, a quiet person, but if you knew him, he was really warm and sweet and outgoing, and, you know, he would give you the shirt off of his back. 
Sarah and Corey had actually met a year earlier at the local mall. I wanted to ask you, did you ever go to the mall on weekends? I went to the mall all the time time (laughs) with my with my Uh ex-boyfriend. And we it's funny because thinking about that now. Yeah, I would never say I was one of those kids that hung out. I used to work at American Apparel in the mall. Oh, did you? I didn't know that. There you go. I had to go to the mall. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we would go to like the food court. I was gonna say, what were we doing? Yeah, no, I, where I came from, um, or like, where I'm I grew really up, judging myself right now. <laughs> where I grew up, if you were not at the mall, you were nobody. It was the oh. thing to do. So it's just funny that like they met at a mall. It's such a typical, I think, thing that it's people are like a our high school age, thing. Yeah, yeah the people, cool place to hang out. Exactly. At the mall, Corey approached Sarah when she had been outside smoking a cigarette and asked her if she had any weed. Now. We went to the mall, but we did not smoke weed. I just want to make sure that's out there. A lot of similarities here. Sure. Especially not at 16. Um, They shared a joint and became fast friends. Corey's friend told Snapped, quote, they had a lot of the same interests. And I think, you know, Corey was kind of artistic. You know, he would write poetry and he would draw things. And Sarah kind of felt the same way. They were both kind of lost in trying to find themselves. So it didn't take long, you know, for them to become inseparable. Again, these are a lot of the same kind of... Of details we've heard from previous cases we've talked about on the show. Yeah, I think in our, I think back then, certainly when I was 16, the word we would throw around would be emo kids. Yes, definitely. You know, like these Goth, are your, emo, yeah, typical yeah. emo, at yeah. least it seems like your typical emo kids. Yeah. Their relationship wasn't romantic, but it was well known amongst their peers that Corey really liked Sarah in a more than friends way. A like like, as we used to say. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But that Sarah was more interested in girls. Together, yeah, not me. No, oh. no, not oh. me. No. Together, Corey and Sarah began began hanging out with the local chapter of Juggalos, socializing, listening to music, drinking, smoking, and having small parties at various Juggalo houses. So again, this all sounds horrible, I guess, when you read it back, but it's just typical te- late teenager it's behavior. It's just you're forming into groups that you yeah. feel comfortable with. Right. Like, this isn't atypical of any sort of teenager at all. Right. Does Juggalo sound as dirty to you as it does to me? It's I, like, so hate weird. saying Juggalo. And I remember that term. I hadn't heard it in years until I was, you know, we were doing the pre-production meeting. I'm like, oh, yeah, Juggalos. That's such a weird name. (laughs) I think there's even like a Juggalo convention. I could be wrong, but I think there's like an ICP slash Juggalo convention where like people get together and go crazy. Is it in Chicago in a few weeks? It is not. And I will not be attending. That was a test. That was a test and you passed. Anyway, Sarah finally felt like she fit in. She was popular and eventually became a sort of leader for the group. An author told Snap, quote, she's the alpha female. She's the one who calls the shots. The person who some in the group look to as somebody to tell them what to do. So she's strong. She's strong willed. She's maybe a little bossy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Corey happily followed Sarah's lead and was her ultimate sidekick. But soon, um... The contended leader was basically confronted by a rival, a 16-year-old named Adrian Reynolds. Okay, so we have a third one coming into the mix. Now, remember, mm-hmm. Corey likes Sarah. Right. Sarah's running shit. So if someone else comes in, right. this is going to be this is like a territory fight. There you go. Adrian was born in Texas to a teen mom. As a result, she grew up quickly, smoking pot daily by age nine. Yeah, Doing meth by 12. And shortly going into recovery thereafter. I just could not believe this detail when I was when we were talking about this. I was like, I know I read that. And I was like, look, nine. Look, and I to a certain. I mean, math is terrible, especially at twelve. Pot is what it is. But regardless, nine and twelve years old when you're doing these things seems like a very serious, very serious problem is going on behind the scenes. 
Yeah, like I wonder what background you have that you would right. even be curious about. Yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. at that young an age, I get the you know when everyone does it, I understand. But I mean, nine and twelve. Well, like, especially at our ages, like I, I have a lot of kids in my family, and I I associate those ages to where they were, and I'm like, I could never in a million years imagine anyone in my family at, yeah, the, at those ages be doing something like this. Nine is too young to be doing anything, right? Um, but uh, but she eventually goes into recovery, as we said, and she loves singing, performing in front of a crowd. By the time she was 16, just like Sarah, mm-hmm. she was having problems with her mother. In okay. November 2004, she was sent to Illinois to live with her dad, Tony Reynolds. Adrian's dad said, quote, her mom just couldn't handle her anymore. And she called me and said, I'm sending her up there with you. Mm-hmm. That must have felt kind of like an abandonment. Like if your parent can't deal with you, I don't know. Like parents are supposed to be able to deal with their kids. Right. Are supposed to be able to deal with yeah. their kids in any sort of situation. And that had to have felt heartbreaking in some sort of way. Yeah. For both on both sides. Both sides, yeah. Adrian was also enrolled in the Black Hawk Outreach Center and quickly became popular. A reporter told Snapped, Adrian attracted a lot of attention from boys in school. She was a cute girl from Texas that had an accent that everybody liked. When we looked at pictures in Matt's office, pre-pro, because you know I like a visual, mm-hmm. she was really cute. Yeah. Like she was she she looked like she had a really sweet face, really amicable, very, very nice. Look, I leave all the the female Details judging to about me. females to you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you Did for you that. Think Corey was cute. Let's keep going. Okay, well, we're yeah. going to keep going. Um, <laughs> Sarah also took an instant liking to Adrian, and the feeling was reciprocated. This is what part of the story. <laughs> yeah, that I got interested. You're into in. this, right? When they first met, Adrian wanted them to be more than friends. For a few weeks, the two girls flirted and wrote each other notes, and it seemed like they were going to hook up. Remember notes. I Notes. notes. I know. Remember, you'd have to like fold I them up. I saved all of them. Okay, I had all mine in a drawer, and I don't uh, know what happened to them. But you know, one of my best friends, who I think you know, Brittany, she's yeah. f- from a. I talk about her a lot on our other show. Um, she has like all of the notes that we ever sent to each other because back then I had like a crush on her. Cut to oh, you had a crush on a lesbian that wasn't me. And, and I screw right, you. Cut to I'm gay. She's gay. She's a married lesbian now. I'm just glad it never. You know, the notes didn't work. Yes, exactly. Um, I really miss it, though. I know. Now everyone's texting and using Snapchat. So it's so not personal. No, it's not. Even getting a fucking email. Yeah. I write my girlfriend a handwritten letter every single week. Oh, do you? That's really sweet. Yeah, just because it's nice receiving something in the mail. Absolutely. So one night, Adrienne asked her dad if she could go to a party and then sleep over at Sarah's. Uh Uh, And her dad said (laughs) yes, even though he had a poor first impression of her. Right. Quote, I only met her once, and my first impression was a thug (laughs) and a freak. End quote. He said, of, he said this of Sarah, of course. She was dressed in all black, had piercings and everything. So, like us. Yeah, she was yeah, like us. Exactly. Do you have a piercing? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. But do you? Mm. I used to have my belly button pierced. All right. Well, Martinis and Murder After Dark, if you want to know <laughs> more, stay, stay tuned to those episodes. Early mornings. Early mornings. Um, everything was set up for Adrian and Sarah to finally hook up. The okay. stage was set. The stage was set. However, at the party, Adrian disappeared for a few hours. And this is what's interesting. Yeah. She goes to this party. She disappears for a few hours. A few hours. Mm. When she comes back, she told Sarah she slept with two guys she met that two night. Two guys, one night. It's kind of crazy. And by the yeah, way, they're still basically and, and, kids, and right? And considering that Adrian wanted to hook up with Sarah, it right. seems a little counterintuitive that she would go and hook up with two guys. Of course. But, okay, we're young. 
Sarah was unimpressed yeah. and not really feeling it. Yeah. Corey's friend told Snap, quote, Sarah just said, okay, well, that's fine. If that's the type of person you are, that's great. I have no interest in you, in you and, you know, we're pretty much going to part ways. Oh, okay, so now Sarah has some sort of moral compass now. She's you know, just That's done. just taking it too far. All the other stuff is fine. She's but. clearly hurt. Right. But she's butt hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As the kids would say these days. Um, but Adrian had other plans. Corey's friend said Adrian was pretty relentless with pursuing Sarah and would write her letters. Oh, I really like you. Give me a second chance. I think that you and me could have something really great. She really, really wanted Sarah's attention. Hmm. So friends of Adrian said that she was obsessed with getting back into Sarah's clique. Mm-hmm. Sarah started getting angry and told people she was going to kick Adrian's ass, which is common language for Sarah, as we had sort of right. said in the beginning. Do not cross Sarah. She's going <laughs> to be fucking pissed. Yeah. Adrian was undeterred and for weeks continued to pursue Sarah despite warnings that Sarah had threatened violence. Finally, on January 21, 2005, the situation came to a head, and Sarah approached Adrian at school and asked her to have lunch so they could talk it through. Seems mature. Well, I remember, I think it was the Skylar Niece case. There was another situation where, like, they were at lunch. They invited her over. Yeah, yeah. it was, like, all these, like, similarities about this stuff. So if you're listening to this and you're of that age, take notes of these, like, behavioral patterns. I think it's worth noting. Yeah, don't don't trust anybody. Right. Um, Adrian and Sarah and Corey left the school to go to my favorite restaurant, Taco Bell. <laughs> I love Interesting. Taco Bell. By the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Taco Bell. However, no, just, if you would like to send us chalupas every Wednesday. Or cheesy gordita crunches. That would be great. That would be great. Adrian's mother said, quote, all Adrian wanted was for everybody to like her. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So on the evening of Friday, January 21st, 2005, Adrian's dad reported her missing to the police. A reporter said Adrian didn't come home from school and it just didn't seem like something Adrian would do. Police went to her dad's house and took his report, but thought she'd probably just run away given how unhappy she was about moving from Texas. And okay, that's understandable. She seems to maybe exhibit all these signs of being unhappy, but it just really frustrates me when the, the immediate thought is that this person ran away and there's no chance that they could be dead. Let's say that she's, she's run away first. I think we saw this with Kristen Smart. Remember the, when we talked about her, oh, yeah, anyone had, that runs away, it's like, yeah, oh, there must've been, you right. know, they're just running away. They're being rebellious, but yeah. you know, I bet you the statistics and we don't have them right in front of us yeah. says that most, this is a common thread yeah. among teens and they aren't murdered. That's so true. maybe that's just their first like statistical hunch. Yeah. However, her dad wasn't convinced. Uh, he said, quote, she wasn't an angel or anything, but she always, she had never not come home from school. Never. So it was paid at Adrian's work, and she hadn't been in to pick up her check either. I mean, if you're running away, you're exactly. getting that dough. That's what Adrian's dad said. He said, if I was going to run away from school, the first thing I would have done would be to go get my paycheck. Right. Totally. I completely agree. Um, so she also had a shift that night that she didn't turn up to, and she apparently loved going to her work. 
Her boss said that she never missed work and was a dependable kid. Meanwhile, she'd left all her belongings at home. Doesn't seem like nothing's something. adding Doesn't up. Doesn't seem like a runaway to me. Police were still convinced, though, that she ran away and started to search for her. Detectives began making phone calls, trying to find out who Adrian had contact with that day. The two names that immediately popped up were Corey Gregory and Sarah Kolb, the last people to be seen with her. Remember, they were at lunch or whatever, I guess. Uh, and they were at Taco Bell. Taco Bell, sorry. Remember right. that? Yes, Taco Bell. Um, cheesy Gordita Crunch. But no one seemed overly alarmed at this point. A friend of Corey said, quote, we weren't troublemakers, but, you know, sometimes we would blow off our job. Sometimes we wouldn't go to class and sometimes we wouldn't come home. So that didn't surprise me. You know, she's probably spending the night at a boyfriend's house or she's probably just with her friends. Let me ask you this, because where I grew up and where I went to school, it was very, very, very against the rules to leave to go to lunch somewhere did you do this in high school did you leave for lunch yeah i did leave for lunch i mean i it's so weird to me i've not i'm just not used to that yeah and it's weird to think about that too certainly like freshman year i don't think we ever did but definitely Mm -hmm. Hmm. sophomore junior senior outside because we had the two different buildings for the upperclassmen and then freshmen and you know i grew up in in a suburb i mean the funny thing is during lunch it would be like lunch and study hall i'd go home and watch prices right oh my god (laughs) fun fact about Darren. Yes. Um, besides being a murder podcaster, you you want to be a game show An host. Game by show the host, way, that's right. Yeah. Well, police called Sarah to try to ascertain where Adrian had gone after th- the three left for lunch. Sarah told police that after having lunch with Adrian at Taco Bell, she and Corey had dropped her off at McDonald's across the street from Adrian's house because Adrian didn't want her parents to see her in a car with a boy. I mean, in theory, that's possible. Right. That's possible. Okay. She said that uh, that was the last time she saw or heard from Adrian. The following day, police contacted Corey, who confirmed Sarah's story. But Corey also told police something new, that in Sarah's car on the way to Taco Bell, Sarah and Adrian got into an argument, but he didn't know what it was about. So, okay, here's some new details. Yeah, how could you not know what it's about? Especially if you're like you know, best friends or whatever you want to say. I he will is say with her. in his defense, sometimes when girls fight, <laughs> that's true. I got no fucking idea what they're talking <laughs> about. It's just a lot of yelling. Yeah. The detective speaking to Corey said he felt like he wasn't getting the full story and thought Corey was hiding something or leaving something out. Can you take a sip of your martini? Yes. You haven't. And this is called martinis and murder. I know. Sorry. Why? No. Well, I'm reading. Well, cause I'm already getting a little tips and I need you to like get there. <laughs> Okay, I just took a big gulp for you. Thank you. Um, so you're telling... This is also signaling to Matt, by the way, get round two ready for you, right? Because he's doing nothing. Was he doing playing like Tetris on his phone? <laughs> he is kind of like hovering he below the hovering. table over Ooh. there. He's playing Sonic. <laughs> when the detective asked Corey what happened after the argument, Corey abruptly ended their conversation. So, uh-huh. yeah, the officer ended up calling Sarah again, and she confirmed that she did indeed have an argument with Adrian and that it was over a letter Adrian had written to Corey telling him that she liked him and wanted to spend more time with him. So no Snapchat. It was a note slash letter. Um, maybe this is the reason Snapchat was Exists. invented. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But I mean, listen, this is a territory fight again. And like Sarah right. doesn't, Sarah's the alpha female. So right. remember all of this as we're going into it. The police officer said, quote, she basically is saying on Corey's behalf, you know, he doesn't want to go out with you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. Ooh, tough. Yeah. Sarah then admitted that she had hit Adrian and that Adrian had hit her back. On a police phone call recording, Sarah said the fight ended quickly. Quote, I was like, you know what? You're not even worth it. I'm not going to get in trouble over some stupid minor who is a skank. And I was like, just keep it simple. Stay away from me and stay away from Corey. 
Okay. I've, by the way, I haven't I mean, heard the word like... skank since high school, by the way. So oh, that. really? I called you out the other day. You didn't hear it? Um, no, I've blocked you out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when the detective asked Corey why, or, yeah, asked why Corey hadn't mentioned the physical fight, Sarah told him it was because uh, she had asked Corey to lie about it because she thought it would look bad considering Adrian's subsequent disappearance. Okay. So but that's I a little mean, bit... To be fair, and we're going to enroll the case... Mm-hmm. At 16, mm-hmm. that is plausible. No, I agree. You know, yeah. like you think you're up against the wall, like, okay, I'm going to lie. They don't, they're not, they don't understand the consequences necessarily of lying to the police or, yeah. you know, manipulating a situation. It is possible for a 16 year old to actually think that and well, say it. And she was right because police were starting to get a feeling that there was some kind of foul play going on. So where were Sarah and Corey hiding? Yeah. Um, on Monday, Sarah was asked to come to the police station for questioning and came with her mom and a lawyer. Smart. Mm-hmm. Sarah repeated the same story she told over the phone. The detective asked her if Adrian was in good condition when she dropped her off, and Sarah said yes without hesitation. Right. Automatic. The detective said, quote, she was just basically straight to the point, just staring at me right in my face the whole time, kind of like trying to stare me down. Quote, end quote. Sarah was allowed to go home, but police were suspicious of her story. On Tuesday, police brought Corey in for questioning, and he also came with an attorney. Adrian had been missing now for four days. So I, I think we should also talk about, it's important to mention, as you have done, that they came with attorneys. So right. they're kind of signaling. They're gearing up for something. Yeah, something's going on. Just to cover our bases, we want to make sure we have a lawyer with us. And that us. could be the parents kind of intervening. Totally, you know? yeah. Um, but so brings in this attorney. Yeah. Adrian's been missing for four days. Corey's pretty calm with the police. Mm-hmm. His defense attorney told Stat he was very cool. He wasn't overly nervous. A little bit more nervous, but not bad. Not bad. I mean, everybody's nervous when they come in to be yeah. interviewed by the police. And you've got <laughs> two or three police sitting across from you. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the thought of police coming in would... Seeing a police on the road and sirens going off gives me agita. I was just going to say, when I was in... um, About this age, actually, I had a bike. And I remember one time I was just jumping over a little pothole in the street. Some old woman in my neighborhood called the police on me. The police come whistling down the road like I... How boring is your town? I know, right? What the hell? So then the police stop and start asking me questions about why I was jumping over this pothole. I was a mess. I was shaking. I was freaking out. Why are the police talking to me? All I'm doing is riding my bike. You jumped over a pothole on a bike and the woman called the police. Yeah. And I'm like, can I... I, Look, I want to get back home. There's, I want to watch Spice World. I want to move on with my life. Let me just be this little gay teenager that I want to be. Do you think it was the gun that you were flailing in the <laughs> it air? It could have been that. Okay. It could have been that. But no, I, I mean, imagine it's being questioned about terrifying. anything. And I'm let sure alone. you remember like the exact moment. I do. Bring up the exact emotional feeling. feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's obviously at that age of something that's happening for sure. Well, given this stress, Corey actually repeated the same story he told police over the phone with very little emotion. And when Corey went home after the interview, his family started to notice some strange behavior. Mm. An author and an author said, quote, at this point, he's been up for a couple of days now. He can't sleep. He's talking to his family. Um, His father actually began asking questions and Corey buckled quickly, telling his father he knew more than he admitted Mm. to and wanted to speak to the police again. You kind of got the impression that, especially since we, I mean, in my opinion, the way I kind of viewed this was like he was kind of the passive one between him and Sarah. Didn't know what they were fighting about. I think he just wanted us all to go away. Right. I was kind of predicting that this was going to end up happening. Right. 
Um, police already knew that Corey was their best bet for a confession, and they felt that he was withholding information. Um, they started putting pressure on Corey's family to get Corey to confess, and lo and behold, it worked. On Tuesday, January 24th, mere hours before Corey left the interrogation room, Corey's father called the police. And I have to mention, January 24th is my birthday. That's the connection I have to this case. I have a connection with every episode. That's right. You're, you know, the I black. I wear all black. Yeah. We're connected, I folks. I like women. <laughs> I like Taco Bell. There's that. It all fits in. Corey's dad said, quote, he started crying and I started asking him questions and he started breaking down. He started crying more. So I knew something was up. I have to also real quick inter- interrupt this narrative for a minute because I started thinking in this point, I'm like, what if I was the father and like my son is breaking down in front of me confessing that he was involved with yeah, something? Yeah, like at what point do you protect your kid? And at what point and do you have to serve and be honest to justice? And be a citizen of the world. Yeah. yeah, I don't, that's got to be the hardest thing. That, I add. can't imagine like what could be harder. Like coming to terms with who your kid is. Yeah. And if it's a negative thing, that's got to be really Totally. Rough. Corey once again spoke to the police. He told them Sarah had been very angry on the drive to Taco Bell the day of Adrian's appearance. Corey said Sarah didn't want another girl hanging out with him and had decided to put an end to Adrian writing Corey notes and that Corey had uh, wholehearted, wholeheartedly supported this. So when they got to the... Poor kid, though. I know. He's like all wrapped up in this. When they got to the parking lot of Taco Bell, the two girls started fighting. Sarah grabbed Adrian by the hair and smashed her head into the dashboard. Oof. And Adrian responded by punching Sarah in the nose. Okay. So while the girls started punching and choking each other, Corey said he stood idly by and watched and did not get involved. You didn't now, believe in I this. I didn't believe this. As soon as you read the as soon as we read this line in the pre pro, I just said uh-huh. no way. Like, especially from a guy. To be fair, I could see if it was two guys fighting, a girl standing idly by because it's two guys. They could overpower her. Mm -hmm. Maybe she doesn't want to get hurt. And this could just be, you know, my own prejudice or my own view of the world. But the guy standing by, he likes one of the girls, first of all. The other girl claims to like him. He does nothing? That doesn't seem likely to me. I I agree with you on one hand. On the other hand, because he's so passive and sort of... This kind of bystander, yeah, and like he's been described as a sweet guy that would give his shirt off of his back. There was a part of me that thought maybe he was just kind of like letting them hash it out, you know? Have you ever been punched in the face? (laughs) When I was like six years old, when I was like six years old, there was, this is like the most sappiest dumb story I'll tell you really quickly. There was a kid in my neighborhood that I always wanted to play with. He was like the only other kid where I was living at the time. And my family, every time I would go outside, were like, do not go near him. He will hurt you. Do not go play with him. John, do not play with him. What do you think I did when I walked out the door? Played with him? I went and played with him, and he punched me in my nose, and I came running back, and I was, like, flailing, and there was blood everywhere. I have a very vivid memory of him punching me in the nose for no apparent reason. Um, Yeah, and it was similar to how I got hit in the face with an orange about 30 minutes ago. Matt could have been the kid. He definitely was was the kid. Maybe was the kid. It wasn't in... were like, stay away. They were like, stay away from him. He'll throw an orange at you later in life. I was punched in the face by a girl in high school. Oh, oh my God. Do you want to say, mention it? She literally just didn't like me. (laughs) And just literally just didn't like me. And she was like, I think you're so fake. I dated a guy she liked. Oh, okay. I think you're so fake. Yeah. And I'm so, we were in like the same like AP math classes together. You know, like she was smart. Yeah. You know, she, but she was nerdier. Mm. And she just molly me right in the fucking oh, face. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry to hear that. She were got it in to... the end. Oh, is that right? 
Did you did you I do took anything her to a Taco back? Bell parking lot <laughs> and needless to say ordered a bunch of tacos and, and then went home. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah, Darren is actually um yeah, Sarah. Yeah. The there you go. Yeah. Um that's an interesting I I'm surprised we hadn't talked about that at all. Like yeah, being, I, I often you know, forget about it. I was like, Oh yeah, I was yeah. punched right in the face. <laughs> Well, let's go back to this story quickly. Yeah. Finally, Corey thought uh, maybe he should intervene. Sarah had Adrian in a chokehold and she was starting to turn blue. Oh. That's when Corey realized that Adrian was dead. Corey said, quote, we thought she had just passed out. We were we were waiting for her just to wake up. And then finally we looked back and her face was blue and we just started freaking out after that. You know, we didn't know what to do. Corey said Sarah decided to bury the body on her grandparents' farm. So Minutes ago, we were talking about Adrian being alive, and now we're talking about burying her body. All so, of a sudden, and honestly, yeah. like that is a good thing to note. Is like it is actually pretty easy for one minute to be okay, and the next minute for apparently, it to not, you know, yeah. like people fall, people slip, people make mistakes all the time on this right. something we've learned about, and. Yeah. I mean, to think of how easily this could have been prevented. Yeah, is really totally. Sad. Yeah, like I said, they wanted to bury the body on the grand on her grandparents' farm, which was far away and very big, super remote area in the yeah. woods. I think. But on the drive to the country, the plan changed when they realized that the ground was probably too frozen to dig up. Again, this is in January, which we had been through. Um, I thought before. we had talked about this. I'm trying Rema- to remember. I can't, I can't remember which case it was <clears throat> where it was winter time. Yeah, and so they couldn't. They couldn't get. They couldn't bury the body. Yeah. It was one of our first cases. I wonder cases. if Matt knows. Matt, do you remember which case it was where it was too, the it was ground winter was too... and they were in the woods and they couldn't dig in the ground? No, <laughs> there was another case, Matt. It's not just, this case. He just whispered, it's this case. You think yeah. he's paying attention? Matt, pay attention to the show. Know. Oh, my God. Yeah, look, he's on his phone. He's a complete... He's Compl- just like... has no idea. Stop asking me questions. He's playing Tetris, he said. Very focused. God. Thanks, Matt. Well, instead, they drove to Sarah's house and got a gas can from the garage. They then went to the grandparents' farm, and in the woods at the back of the property, Sarah burned the body while Corey waited in the car. Corey told police the body didn't burn the way that Sarah had hoped, so she poured gas on Adrian three or four more times, but it still didn't work. Corey said it was, quote, horrifying, you know. It was worse than any horror movie you could watch. We were both in shock. How did she think the body was going to burn? I don't know. I it's probably one of those things where you're just like, we have to burn the it's body. Like it's going to go into ashes. Right. Like, we're going to disintegrate. Right. You're not thinking that human beings have bones. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, the pair then decided to sleep on it. How could you possibly sleep on it? And figure out how to dispose of the body the following day. So Corey helped Sarah cover the body with brush, and then Sarah dropped him off at home. The following day, Sarah had to work, so they didn't get back to the farm until Sunday. Oh, sorry. We can't bury the body. I have to work, you know. Well. I get it, but it's like, how could you possibly, how could you possibly work? Um, This time, however, Sarah came with a saw. Oh, okay. An author said, quote, Sarah's idea and Corey agrees with it is this. We need to cut her head off and her hands off because those are the two identifying pieces of the body. So if we take her hands and her head away and police just find a torso, they're not going to be able to identify it. So that's kind of the mentality. That's actually not like... It's not actually dumb to think that. No, like, that is I, I mean, a lot of people like, do that. It's actually clever to think that way. Matt's coming over here. Um, oh, Matt's giving. Oh, actually, this is from the Did lawyer. He do something? No, the lawyer is letting us know in the Skylar Niece case. It always relates back to the Skylar Niece case. It really does. And I want to say special shout out to the lawyer for knowing this and not Matt. So I hope the lawyers get a raise because Matt, know. you know what? Matt, your paycheck's going to the lawyer this week. <laughs> I know. The lawyers need to be the bartenders God on next damn. week's episode. Uh, so thank you, lawyers. The lawyers are well, smarter true. than Matt, he says. That's 
yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. Um, Corey said Sarah alone cut up the body, leaving the torso and legs in a ravine on the farm and taking the rest in a trash bag, which she put in the trunk of the car. He said they then drove to Blackhawk State, State Park, where they dumped the remains in an isolated trail by a storm sewer. Corey said he was mostly just a witness rather than a participant. A detective said he tried to minimize everything and didn't help, not even to lift up the manhole cover of the sewer. Well. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to like, li- I'm not going to do the work for you. <laughs> right. I was thinking about this. I'm like, like, why would he lift yeah, up the exactly. manhole cover? And I keep so, picturing so sixteen or seventeen. I was going to say, I keep picturing this like sixteen year old boy, like un- incapable of like you know participating in a. Like, oh, I'm going to lift this up. Here you go. Yep, yep, right. yep. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Right. Like, he's not going to do that. Thank you. Here comes round two for Darren. John, I'm still working on mine. F- well, if I didn't have such long segments to get through here, I could oh, actually that's, take that's a on sip, you, sweetie. I know it actually literally is. Police immediately had Corey taken uh, take them to the sewer where they dropped off the body. Um, and of course, when they got there, there was a garbage bag in the hole containing a head and two arms belonging to Adrian. What does a body bag of that like? Oh, God. I keep imagining, like, imagine opening a trash bag and seeing that. I thought of that as we were talking about this, and it freaked me out Thanks, so Matt. much. Not to be crass, but like, what a good ad for a garbage company. Like, they're so durable, they're and holding body parts. I doubt that they're trying to market, you know, to that niche really? group of you people. Don't think? <laughs> Probably not, no. John, I think you're not thinking about this clearly. That that could be it too. That night police told Adrian's parents the gruesome shocking news. Uh, yeah, we haven't really talked about how just gruesome this case was. I mean, Hopefully okay. you're not eating not when you're... Not only that, these people are 16 and yeah. 17 years old. Yeah. Adrian's stepmother said when the police called at 2 a.m., quote, that's the sickest feeling you can get. Yeah. Imagine getting a call at 2 a.m., your stepdaughter's missing. We probably know what that... that... Anytime. Yeah. Like anything related to your kid. You can't sleep again. Um, the next morning, Corey took police to the farm to uncover the rest of Adrian's remains. An author said, quote, walking through the crime scene at the farm, he totally looks like the color has been drained out of him. He looks just white, really white as snow. He really does. And he just black circles under his eyes. And he has this look in him like my life is over. Wow. According to NBC News, Corey's mother said, quote, I just couldn't even say anything. I just cried and hugged him. And he says, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. At that point, my heart was broken. I didn't even have words. Again, I keep putting myself in these parents' shoes. I mean, it's I, I'm not empathizing or sympathizing with him in, in any way, but No, but that's for the unconditional parents, love. Yeah, you know, totally. You unconditionally love your kid no matter what they do. That's like yeah. the only form of unconditional love I think that exists. Yeah, that's true. And that has to be such a yeah. a struggle. Ugh. The following day, January twenty seventh, Sarah and Corey were taken into police custody and both were charged with first degree murder. An author said that quote, the town is just absolutely floored by this crime. It's hard to believe that 15, 16-year-old kids can not only kill each other, but burn each other and dismember bodies. I mean, it's almost unheard of. That's the thing. That's that's what's even more shocking. I mean, the crime itself, I think, is super gruesome. But the fact that these kids, like... They don't even have fully developed brains yeah. yet, and the, this is their, you know, what they're up to. Logical reasoning yeah. of, of how to, you know, solve something is is very, very scary. <clears throat> Welding instructor Alex Declare knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go, look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Um, all right. So here's the trial because, as you said, they were both right. charged with first degree murder on Halloween 2005. So, so months and months later, 10 months later. What did something. you dress up as Halloween for in 2005? Oh, my God. So you know how we always. Let me think about that. You know, I was a senior. Yeah. I remember exactly what I was doing. Halloween 2005, I threw a Halloween party, costume party, and knowing me, Darren, knowing my interests, can you take a guess as to what I or who I was? You were either a superhero or a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Close. What else could I do I like, though? Tennis. Were you Serena Williams? No, I was not Serena Williams. Harry Potter. I was Harry Potter for yep. Halloween 2005. I think I dressed up with my boyfriend as, I mean, it just goes to show that I'm a lesbian now, but we uh-huh. were biker chicks. And he, well, he was like a biker bro and I was a biker chick and uh-huh. needless to say, I had everything in my wardrobe. To, <laughs> yeah. I didn't need to buy anything different. Yeah, I think that could have been. On, yeah, on, let's move on. on from that so before Halloween things get So Halloween 2005, weird. Sarah's murder trial began. But in court, Sarah looked like an innocent teenager. And when we looked online of pictures of her in court versus her normal garb, she did present herself as, yeah, like a normal, innocent-looking girl. And Not it, that wearing all black makes you guilty, but I think it definitely feeds into that stereotype of weird and scary and Yeah, rough no one's going to sympathize with you. And also, we talked about that on last week's episode. Remember, she came exactly. to her trial with glasses and Exondia. a business suit. Yes, yeah, yes, Exondia. yes. She was described by a reporter as, as by a reporter as looking like every other teenager. She had a bob haircut. I do too. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, clothes you do. on, etc. She was just she was very normal looking. Yeah. Adrian's family worried that the jurors wouldn't believe Sarah was capable of such a heinous crime. Yeah. Hence the reason I'm sure she wore that. The prosecution talked about Sarah's troubled past and her admission to the Black Hawk Outreach Center, and prosecutors argued that she was a popular ringleader and that Adrian was a threat to her. They said the party Sarah initially took Adrian to was a loyalty test and that when Adrian slept with another boy, or two for that matter, that (laughs) infuriated Sarah. Right. Adrian's friend said that that Sarah, quote, called Adrian Jiffy. This is so (laughs) mean. Called her Jiffy because she smeared like peanut butter. She was, you know, like she was a slut, basically. Mm -hmm. As in she was That's a quote, by the way. That's a quote. Yeah. Horrible. That is horrible. The pro- no slut kids shaming. Kids can be so mean. Yeah, they really can. They, they can be so cruel. The prosecutors then said Sarah decided to shun Adrian and expected her friends to do the same. But when they didn't, Sarah grew angrier still. One of Adrian's friends said that, quote, after that party, it was kind of, Sarah just thought that she was, she felt threatened by her, I guess. Like she thought she was going to take all of her friends and leave her all alone. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution brought Sarah's peers to the stand to show her that, to show her that she was feared. A reporter said a lot of kids that, you know, took the stand, they almost were afraid of Sarah. She kind of held this power over her classmates and over her friends. And yeah, which quote, is what she was I was like getting. an alpha female, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and using that threatening language, I would be fucking scared too. They hammered the point that Adrian was a huge threat to Sarah's social status. As evidence, they revealed Sarah's personal journals. 
A reporter said, quote, she talked a lot about Adrian Reynolds. In fact, the day before she was murdered, there was an entry in the journal and she said, I want to expletive kill her. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that expletive is. We could probably take a guess, but... I'm going to say it's fucking. Probably that word. Because I'm the cursed person on this podcast. Apparently, yeah. I'm going to go out and say it. <laughs> Corey did not take the stand against did not take the stand against Sarah. There was another witness to the fight between Adrian and Sarah, a man named Glenn Roach, who was at Taco Bell on his lunch break and was called to the stand. We haven't mentioned this yet, but keep in mind that this whole thing went down in the daytime. I know, In a parking yeah. lot at yeah, Taco yeah. Bell. Like, this is not night in the woods when no one can see you. This is out in the fucking open. And, and to your point, what yeah. you had said about a parking lot, go ahead. Oh, like, I was just going to say, yeah, in our pre-production meeting, we were talking about how you know people so should have seen that. Related back to cereal in a little bit of way with the Best yeah. Buy. Yeah, I mean, if you listen lot. to cereal, yeah, that whole thing happened in the middle of the daylight after school and a Best Buy parking lot allegedly. And my thought was, you know, when I pull into a parking lot, especially like a Taco Bell or not that I've ever. I don't think I've ever or a mall or yeah, I'm thinking like a Walmart. I'm not sure I'm really intuitive or paying attention to all the other cars around me. So, you know, and Matt, I think, and I, and you, we all kind of had this conversation like, yeah, but it's the middle of the day and you would notice it. And I'm like, I personally am just saying from my experience, I I don't don't pay attention to other cars. It's hiding in plain sight. I find exactly. I find my parking spot and move on. And it's probably, yeah, like you said, a good place to hide in good and plain sight. Yeah. So Glenn Roach was working at this Taco Bell and he told Snapped, I seen a car and the car was shaking back and forth, rocking back and forth. It's 1230 in the afternoon. So I thought, oh, it's just some teenagers fooling around. To be fair, I would have thought the same thing. Well, do you ever w- want to trust somebody who begins a sentence with I seen? I don't know that I, I seen would. I seen a car. I seen a car. That really drove me nuts. I mean, this is like the depths of Illinois. We don't <laughs> know. know. We, I mean. I know. Not to put any, like, you know, negative. That is a direct quote, though. It, it is a direct quote. but So I, I won't judge your grammar since, you know, you're living in yeah, Illinois. Yeah, that was not me. <laughs> yeah. The prosecution then called Nathan, I think it's Gadet or sure. Gadot. Gadet. Hmm. G-A-U-D-E-T. Let me know if I'm being ignorant here. Yeah. Gaudet? What do you think, Matt? Gaudet? Gaudet? Sure. Gaudet? Another Blackhawk outreach student, fellow juggalo, <laughs> and close friend of Corey oh, and Matt. Sarah as a witness. Nathan, however, also had a dark side. Yeah, I would and, say. And Sarah's friend said, he was a type of person, from my understanding, that would sacrifice animals and do crazy stuff like that. And one of the things that we do talk about here on Martinis and Murder, and I think it's pretty common knowledge and most people are probably aware of this a good first sign of somebody who obviously is trouble a lot of first sign of a lot of murderers and people who want to harm people is them practicing on innocent animals when they're younger yeah that's just been a common theme Corey said of nathan quote nate's into blood and gore he was the type of kid that go around killing animals and stuff so sarah figured he might help Nathan told the jury that while he had nothing to do with Adrian's murder, he was the one who cut up the body. Mm, interesting. He told the jury that on the su- on the Sunday after Adrian went missing, Sarah and Corey called him and asking if he wanted to see something cool, namely a dead body. Because remember, um, you know, they had they they tried to burn her and it wasn't working. Right. They put the body in the trunk and Nathan said the offer to see the body was on one condition. If you wanted to see something cool, mm-hmm. he had to bring a saw. Oh, which you had mentioned. Yeah. And I wonder what he's thinking. I know. 
Okay. We'll get to that, I think, in a second. After Nathan cut up the body, he got in the car with him in the garbage bag full of parts, drove to McDonald's drive-thru for a meal, obviously. Sure. And went down to the Blackhawk State Park where he dumped the bag in the sewer. I feel like this is another thing we've seen through episodes. It's like someone kills somebody and then they hop over to their local drive-thru for a quick meal. Well, the first thing that we had ever talked about even with fast food was the Scott Peterson case. And now he oh, was like, right. oh, yeah, get me a double-double that's with animal-style right. fries. And we were like... This doesn't that seem doesn't seem normal. This quote kind of sums it up for me. An author said, "Quote: After they did all this, right after they killed this girl, after they tried to burn her body, after they cut her up, dismembered her, they smoked some weed, and they went right to McDonald's and they ate." Mm. Callous, because heartless, because of course your appetite is obviously peaking after you've There's murdered no a human, right? Um, Nathan said he did it out of loyalty, helping a couple of friends out. He said Sarah and Corey acted like the murder was a joke. A reporter told Snap that Nathan said, quote, they were laughing at the body. Ha, 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 Adrian, you know, you deserve this. They thought she was a slut. They thought she was promiscuous and that she deserved this. Horrible. Terrible. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say, but I think actually so, so disheartening. When yeah. Sarah's defense took over, they went after Corey. They argued he was the real killer and the confession was a cover-up. The defense had one, had but one witness Sarah herself. Mm. On the stand, Sarah admitted to fighting Adrian in the Taco Bell parking lot, but said that Corey intervened as they were screaming and hair pulling. She said that Corey had choked Adrian from behind with a belt. Yeah. So that's new information that yeah, she had yeah. been presented because Corey claims he didn't know what they were fighting about and he was very passive in this whole situation. Yeah. Sarah also told the jury she couldn't have possibly killed Adrian because she had problems with her hands and wasn't strong enough to strangle someone. It was a case of he said, she said. On November 15th, after 15 hours of deliberation, the judge declared a hung jury. Mm. One juror couldn't commit to the 11 who thought Sarah was guilty. So all it takes is one juror. This is very 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, you oh, oh yes, I have heard. Yeah. I, it was, it's kind of a, an older movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Black yeah. and White. You need to. That's a great jury movie. Well, and another great jury show would be The Jury Speaks, which premieres this Saturday. Oh, I really that's think. That's plug. No, it is. I know it sounds very cheesy, but. Getting an insight about what jurors are, think about, especially in hindsight, is so interesting. I've been a juror, and it's yeah. it's and not even for a serious case like that, but it definitely like you're you're putting someone else's future yeah, in, in your, your hands. hands. Yeah. You don't have any relationship with these people. You really have to be smart. Yeah, and You totally. have to really listen to everything you're presented with. So let's go to Sarah's second trial. Yeah. The prosecution ran their case the same way, but the defense made some major changes. Sarah did not take the stand. Instead, the defense immediately rested. A reporter said, quote, I don't think anyone expected during the first trial she would be so cold and so emotionless, and that probably hurt her. And if she had done that again, it would certainly hurt her. End quote. Uh, but this time, Sarah wouldn't be so lucky. On February 22nd, she was found unanimously guilty of murder. Adrian's dad said, quote, I guess you could call it a victory if you want to use that word. I was glad she got convicted. Yeah, I'm sure he well, was. Well, yeah, because there's no, like, no one wins. No, of course not. You know not. what I mean? Like, there's justice. We've talked about this with, with Scott Peterson. It's like we see all these images from the media of people cheering, and I'm like, okay, yes, great. Like, justice has died. been served, but why are you cheering? Yeah. Right. It's still fucking tragic. I feel like a lot of people still don't see it the way you and I kind of do here but it's so it's interesting well this is one of the reasons I don't believe in the death penalty because yeah. it's like how can you Yeah, I don't know what I, do you guys think about that let us know because we get a lot of uh, social media responses yeah We'd let love us to know hear. that'd be really really interesting I mean I even felt that way after like there are people who have murdered you know I never celebrate a murder of course not. Even if it's someone I know is evil, is evil and maybe 
maybe quote unquote deserves to die. Like yeah. that's still not something to celebrate. Well, Sarah was sentenced to 48 years without parole, plus five extra years for concealing homicide. According to Adrian's stepmother, Sarah Kolb said at sentencing, when Adrian died, I felt nothing. Oh, that's heartless. That's heartless. But by the way, getting 48 years, while be it most of your life, mm-hmm. she was a teenager. She still could have a life outside of prison. Well, Sarah has since exhausted the appeals process and will remain in prison to serve out her full sentence. Corey pled guilty to first-degree murder and was sentenced to 45 years in prison. Now, we talk about verdicts a lot on this show. Do you think that Corey should have gotten such a similar sentence when he was was the one who confessed and led the investigators to the solving of this case? And, you know, from what I think we've gathered with the details, he seemed remorseful about everything. I mean, he obviously felt guilty enough. I mean, he was the lead, you know, and when his parents pressured him, he had led on without even... right. You know, just like, oh, I, I know more than you want. And he was pretty cooperative totally. at the end of it. Yeah. It's hard to know all the facts and all the details that went down, but he definitely was more cooperative than Sarah was. Yeah. Well, Nathan, again, the guy that cut up the body, served three years for concealing a homicide, but he died in a car crash in 2012. Ah. So what a terrible story. I mean, Life that you've like lived. considering he's like our age, so he died when he was like in his, low, in his right. like young 20s. Yeah. As Adrian dreamed of joining the Marines in her honor, her parents set up the Adrian Reynolds Fund to pay for other hopefuls from low-income families to take their GED tests. So, okay, it's not like a happy ending by any means, but at least some no, good has good come mem- out of it. a good way to honor her memory. But this is one of those cases where, <clears throat> yes, you know justice has been served but we still don't know everything that went down I found and that's like, troubling to me you know and I said earlier I, I'm not empathizing or sympathizing but a part of me does feel somewhat bad for Corey because he was sort of a pawn in this yeah, game yeah and especially if you really get it seems like you know the, pro, the, the lawyers really and the defense or whatever really kind of painted him as you know the sidekick the guy that was at her beck and call and you know, especially if everything's true that his dad said where he was like breaking down and said, I'm sorry. And, you know, I don't know why I felt sympathetic to him based on those details. He was at least part of this in some capacity. And if at the very least he was concealing a homicide, but I don't know, especially at that age, you're so impressionable. You I was going to say, we've covered enough cases and we've read about enough things over, you know, even if it makes you guilty, even if you're the one that did the crime, I think you can feel sympathetic for the situation that yeah. they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they As are kids, they are yeah. impressionable, and they are, you know, they're young. Right, right. Like, I, he liked this girl. He wanted to just, yeah, I mm-hmm. can see it, you know? And when we saw pictures of him, he had one of those faces that looked so sweet. And I know that doesn't mean anything, and I right. know that that's just, that's just a ploy and a plot to maybe make you think that he's an innocent guy. But I think when you look at the emotional factor of young teenagers – I don't know. Like, I I do feel sympathetic towards that. And that's what I'm talking about with the verdict in particular. I'm like, he should not have a similar verdict to her, in my opinion. But I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. Yeah, tell us what you think. We're we're up in the air about this because... I don't know. Yeah. And uh, you can do that on Twitter or, you know, wherever you can find us on social media. Yeah. Hashtag martinis and murder. Just tweet us directly. We love it. Yeah. And speaking of which, we should get to some listener shout outs sure. here before we get to the martinis and murder Why hotline. Don't you start? Yeah. Morgan on Twitter says, uh, laughing way too loud at goofy commentary of Jay Thrasher and Carpe Darren on martinis and murder podcast. Just found the show. Hashtag dying. Hashtag my sides hurt. Oh, I so, like hey, that. We're happy to provide some comedic relief for you. Tab 
Tabitha on Twitter says, laughing out loud at work at Martinis and Murder being asked why and saying, quote, mur- murder podcast. <laughs> Hashtag probably going to get fired. Yeah, that's probably, um, you know, like we think. Yeah, no, I we agree. We think your excuse. And also, if you do get fired, just let them know it was all Matt's fault and that, yeah, you know. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time, Matt's getting fired because he... He, he put violence against you when he I was, threw an orange peel in your I eye. Was he injured. blinded you. I really, I want to go back to this. If I would have moved my eye even one right. centimeter, it would have hit me directly in my eye. We would have uh, had to stop production. Orange, you glad Matt got <laughs> fired? Because I am. Orange, you glad I didn't die here on yeah, Martinis and Murder? Exactly. I, by the way, we're not making this up. I wish we did a video. No, I mean, you could see our reaction. Like, oh! Yes, and the orange peel is still sitting to the side of me right now on the floor. I'm taking That's a picture. Evidence. I'm taking a picture of it as evidence and posting it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, we Matt's want you guys laughing. to call us and tell us that Matt should be fired. Yes. If we get enough people to come in on this... We'll get him there. We'll petition it. Uh, Matt is just, you know, at some point we have to really consider whether or not he's an asset to the show. Yeah, or just an ass. Yeah, maybe potentially. Ass or asset. (laughs) Tweet us at At Cody and Jay Thrasher. So as mentioned, our hotline is open. You can call and leave us voicemails. Let us know what you love or don't love about the show. Or, by the way, you can yell at Matt. Call us at 212-664-2072. Let's get into some. Yeah, we got a couple of really funny ones this week so let's get right into the voicemails hi matt it's jamie from murder supplies for the everydayman.com and i'm calling to let you know that we are indeed out of human flesh eating acid but your bulk order should be on its way shortly we look forward to working with you again thank you bye um (laughs) what that was brilliant yeah that was not only brilliant but Matt. Is there truth to that? Because yeah, Matt, is he are you ordering... ordering shit on our Amazon account? Yeah, let's again? hear from like... Matt. He's been a big focus of this week's oh, episode. Do we have Matt, to? Oh, God. Damn. Please don't get too close. I don't want you to. I appreciated the note and I did receive the book. Thank you very much. Oh. And, but I did not get the second book about how to cook a human body. That's right. That's on back order. <laughs> That's so clearly, it's I, out of stock assuming, because so many people are ordering I'm assuming it. Assuming it's very popular. But thank you for sending the first book. All right. Well, that was actually when I heard that voicemail. I was very disturbed. I, w- I will be honest about that. You always... I didn't even get it. And I was like, I'm so impressed. Well, you always have to keep an eye on Matt unless you get hit in your eye with an orange and then you're blind. Well, exactly yeah. right. Okay. Let's move on um, to the next voicemail while we're still alive. Okay. Let's do it. Hi, Darren. Hi, Matt. Hi, John. My name is Jackie, and I love your guys' show so much. I am definitely a huge, like, true crime groupie. And I just want to let you know that I am a mail carrier, and I listen to you guys all day long, and I've already gone through all your episodes, but I do listen to your stuff on speaker. And I was going up to this lady, and she had to sign for a package. And, of course, you guys were talking about a cannibal, and I think I freaked her out. But whatever. So... Keep up the good work. I love what you guys do. I've actually never had a martini in my life, but I will put that on my to-do list. So you guys are amazing. Again, keep up the good work, and I can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. Bye-bye. Okay, well, okay, to be fair, if I was getting the mail from my mail carrier, Uh and they were listening to something about cannibalism, Mm -hmm. I mean, I 
don't think that's a risk too. I, I completely agree. But there, and, and we appreciate you listening, but you can wear headphones. Absolutely. And, you know... It's, Although I feel like it's more fun if you don't. It, well, it's probably not a good idea to listen to our show in public on speaker because you're bound to get some weird looks. We talk about the most disturbing things that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, so. and we're also so mean to Matt that someone's <laughs> right. like, oh, they're listening to a bullying podcast Right, again. exactly. But I encourage it. Yeah. So, guys, one last thing here. We love all the hotline stuff, but we have opened our... Shipping address. Okay. I was trying to figure out how to say that. I was wondering what we were going to say. That being said, we're going to wait until next week to announce it. We want to just make sure all the details are correct. Um, but you guys will be able to send us fan mail, fan art. I know some people had app- apparently made us martini glasses, which I'm really excited to potentially receive. I love all of this. Yeah. So get ready. On next week's episode, we will be announcing it then. So Thank you to everyone who calls in. <sighs> and give, I mean, they're so fun. I love when you forward them to my desk. Yeah. It's like the best part of my day. Thank you for all the martini. <laughs> Teeny recipes. We got someone on Twitter about grilled cheese. That's recipe. right. One person called in and gave us an idea. Gross, for, but I'm into it. <laughs> for a white Russian, which I love white Russians. Have you ever had a white Russian? I'm sure you oh, have. Yeah. I think we might have had one together one time. We somewhere. probably have. Yeah, knowing us. Darren, I, I, I would love to keep going. I have to go and see a doctor about my eye. The side of my eye has, so sorry. has orange juice on it. Do you it. have a bloody orange eye? A blood eye? orange, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not supposed to be a blood orange, but it is because a chunk of my face has been ripped off of my face because oh, Matt fun. threw an orange at me like a baseball player. That makes so, sense. guys, please check in with me on, on social media. Make sure I'm okay, Darren. Can you just take a look really quick? How does it look? You look okay. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what would be good for this? Cheesy that? Gordita Crunch from Taco Bell. Hey, shout out to Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> if you want to sponsor send us. Send us your Cheesy Gordita Crunches. Also, shout out to Sunkist, who may want to send us free oranges. Or um, shout out to Band-Aid Company, who may potentially want to send us, you know, um, Band-Aids and other things to heal our wounds that are happening when our producer attacks us in the middle of a murder podcast. That's it for this week's episode of Martinis and Murder. We'll be back next week. Go enjoy the Oxygen rebrand. Tell us how much you love it. Yes, please do. Bye. Bye.